0: a good conversation can shift the direction of change forever would you leave it to chance join the authors of design to change and explore this series of conversations with designers and event owners driven by the need and conversations with event owners and event designers who use the event canvas around the world this series explores the depths of conversations to elevate your abilities to look and act beyond the now. Episodes are hosted by Rude Jansen, Rule Friesen, Dennis Lara and Paul Rukens with illustrious changemakers, designers and pioneers in the field of design and beyond. To explore these conversations and additional content, visit designtochange.online. For now, let's start the conversation. Conversations
1: well, here we are, and I'm X America, and across from me at the table here sits David Adler, a good old friend, and I remember vividly being on your podcast, Gather Geeks, which, if you haven't heard of it, you should really check it out. Um, and David Adler is um, the founder originally of BizBash, that what many people know you uh, yep. from. Yep. Welcome to the show, David. Thank
2: you, it's an honor to be here with you. I respect you immensely. Uh, since we met at Event Camp, Yes. Back in, I think in Minnesota. 2010-ish? Yes, something 11, like that. Something that, like was, that, that, was, yeah. a, that was a very special moment.
1: It was, it was. I think uh, when the hashtag started bringing people together on social media, you know, Lara McCullough started with this event profs hashtag, which mm-hmm. ultimately then got the geeks about events together. Then they decided that, you know, um, uh, event camps were things where people could get together and actually talk about events and event technology and all sorts of things that deal with events. Now your business was largely built on, you know, um, calling out what is good and what is maybe up for improvement in the event space yes, over many yes, years, yes. and many people know BizBash um, uh, in 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 that sense. Now you have built um, that over time.
2: Yes, so uh, if- 22 years so far, uh, and uh, it was it's been a joy to do, but it certainly reflects the change reflected the changes. In the world, yeah. from 2000 when we started, yeah, it's incredible yeah. how things change.
1: So you've seen the world, you know, before the financial crisis, crisis, after the financial crisis. Now we've seen this this COVID thing happening
2: to to this space. Um, you forgot one major moment in in our world that uh, that was impacting in my business, the media side, because the media yeah. completely defragmented yeah. uh, from watching a couple of channels to cable blowing out to the end of, of television as we know it yes. and so everybody's a media player. The, the, yeah. the launch in 2008 of the iPhone yeah. changed everybody into having their own media property. Exactly,
1: yeah. So everybody's a journalist. Everybody's a journalist. Although very few
2: people curate properly. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the amount of content doesn't mean it's the right content.
1: So that begs the question, um, you know, a good conversation can change the direction of change forever. Would you leave it to chance?
2: David, I believe I, I believe my whole life is about managing serendipity okay uh, so serendipity is chance mm-hmm. but you have to rub elbows with the right people in order to make the serendipity happen yeah. uh, hence managing serendipity yeah. and I think when you manage serendipity like what you do with the canvas is you're managing serendipity and you're letting the right people rub elbows with each other yeah. by, by a planned uh, orchestrated way that they don't even know that it's happening yeah. I think,
1: I think bringing these people together it has become such a different concept as well, right? So the, I think the, the ability to gather, you know, to get people together, rally the troops around something they care about, um, has maybe become easier than ever on the one side, but mm-hmm. on the other hand, people are so easily distracted by all the things they don't necessarily know they care about. How do you, how do you see, what, what kind of developments do you see after these, let's say, these 22 years, a huge horizon, horizon of change with many small increments along the way? Um, What are you you currently seeing as we're coming out of this COVID pandemic as the thing that
2: we need to start paying attention to? Uh, I think that I I see events and gatherings becoming more intimate. Mm -hmm. And I think we have to pay more attention to not being event organizers, uh, but more collaboration artists. So that we take the hard uh, sort of... uh, I I always believe in this thing... um, that I learned at the State Department—that was hard power plus soft power equals smart power. The hard power—the hard power is all of the great venues and the beautiful settings and the centerpieces and the guggas—and the soft power is what the, co- the conversations and the engagement, yeah. and the engagement has to be has to happen. People need kind of permission to talk to each other, yeah. so you have to set the stage and you have to set the psychology and you have to set everything mm-hmm. to do it. And I think we got to pay more attention to that. I don't think. I don't think event organizing is all is anywhere more about the um about just the uh the logistics. Yeah. That's dead. That's yes. over. We're assuming it's going to be great. And I think the art of
1: hostmanship or the art of not just, you know, the art of bringing people together in the first place so they show up. That's one.
2: F- right? Facilitating, being yeah. a great host. Yeah. The art of being a great host has died. And people sort of took that as as not as important but it turns out that it's probably the most important thing yeah. to make sure that somebody's facilitating uh, an event whether it's you know in design or whether it's a person
1: yeah. so
2: I know we both have
1: an appreciation for the culinary arts there's yes. a reason why it's called that right um, I believe art is where it starts right if we do not find let's say some kind of a common ground between people that allows them to talk about stuff that might be off topic or might create a magnetic moment where they gather or flock towards a specific thing. Uh, It is really hard to bring the right people in the right space together and create that context. I have some hope (laughs) that um, due to the COVID situation of isolation, there is a craving for people to rediscover this ability to gather around, not just a topic, but gather around a context that they create a safe space a space they want to hang out in because it feel comfortable to be with those people. And when I look at my kids who've just, you know, one started college, one just finished, um, their art of gathering is pretty impressive. What, what do they do? What's, what's different? So so I, I think what's different is that because of the COVID period they've gone through, uh, the meal moments have become very important moments. And I think originally meal moments are the gathering moments of nature, right? So it's a basic human need to feed ourselves at certain times to get the energy. Um, and those gathering places around a meal, breaking bread, appears to be one of the best moments for people to gather.
2: I think that that's kind of been that way for a long time, but we forgot. Yeah. Uh, with our sped up society and the idea that all of a sudden we were like locked in our uh, our homes mm-hmm. and and had to create context, our own context. Yeah. And one of the things that I did when I was I was with I ended up getting stuck in Washington mm-hmm. because they were painting my apartment and they said oh just come back uh, Monday and it was That'll I couldn't come back <laughs> but I ended up getting stuck in a small apartment with a couple of friends and we decided to create our own structure around yeah. it so yeah. we decided every morning we're going to have a morning meeting yeah. uh, we basically created an event every single day yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's part of part of what I think the meal is part yeah. of that too yeah. and the and the preparing the meal and the cleaning and the all the things that you couldn't even bring in housekeepers or anyone to help you. So it yeah. didn't matter what, you know, where you were in life. It was, uh, it does sort of fend for yourself.
1: And I think um, being left to your own devices and having to create that, even with a small group of people, you know, whether it's your family or whether it's friends that, that are together in a space, they rely, relying on other people to be able to do things has, has become such a basic uh, kind of re-experience. Yes. With the service economy or the experience economy kind of got shattered into a very digital space and it's great all the stuff you can do on the internet but you know you can't eat the internet yet right not yet um, and distribution of it <laughs> has been disparate across the across the world I live in quite a remote place and you know there there is no Uber Eats you know which I, <laughs> I, I, I understood in those days. did you grow I, your own food yeah and then you know and I think at the end of the day the reappreciation of all the things that happened during COVID whether it's you know People starting to make sourdough breads, or people starting to create, you know, uh,
2: instructional things for others to learn what they knew. The creativity and the was unbelievable. Yeah. It was, especially in the event industry. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah, the skunk works we used to call them. Mm-hmm. But Everyone was figuring figuring out ways yeah. to do things. Yeah. It's just, uh, you know, we're going to go the next phase. I think is going to be a nostalgia for thinking back, of what we went through for the last three years i ended up in the first day of the of the pandemic with all the people that i was with Mm -hmm. we created a podcast okay of to record what it was feel what we were feeling like and then i just recently played it and it was like oh my god this is amazing we were afraid to go outdoors we were afraid to we were wiping down our groceries i mean it's amazing just to go back and see how we changed in such a short period of time i think that's going to make us appreciate also, when you go back and think about it, yeah. how you stay appreciative of what's going on now. Yeah, yeah. And also record that and, and
1: recall it. Like recall. Like you said, I, I have a good friend in, in Poland who's a South African guy who helped us build our la- learning management system, Werner Puchert. And he did a, a podcast that I, very, you know, short snippets of very personal things, uh, which he called Finding Frequency, and he would reach out to to friends to find the frequency of what they were going through. And I think, you know, audio has become a very Uh, big revival element, you know, during that
2: time of isolation. Uh, You know, as you're saying that, it's also reminding me that we now have an appreciation for vulnerability. And that we're willing to share our intimate moments and our intimacy to make us more connected. And I think that's one of the things that's happening now, that we're not afraid to like, you know, do something stupid and... Uh, and, and we don't have to go always get it right. Yeah, we you know, have to get okay. it right. It's okay to, 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 to admit stuff
1: where you're like, yeah. okay, I'm very insecure about this. Or this is something that's really troubling me. Or I remember the conversations we would be having, you know, we'd be talking about all, all sorts of stuff that keeps us busy. But also it, the, the conversations from the initial geekiness about events and, and tech um, become much more about stuff you think about, right? Which, which I think the human the human power of, um, on the one side, isolation, but also connectivity within isolation has really kind of changed um, the opportunity, I think, for then the live gatherings, like we're here now at, at, at IMAX America on the 13th of October, 2022. You know, people might listen to this 10 years down the line and think, what are they talking about? What's what's this COVID thing? You know, what, what, what happened? clubhouse you know or podcast what you know what 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 are those relics from the past that 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 we now not know about or might still be around Who like like the fax machine that you know
2: people listening today don't even know what the hell that is exactly
1: yeah and i think um you know in a world where thermal paper is no longer relevant we always have to think about what's relevant a decade or two down the line because you know people like you uh, david are always about you know future scaping it's always about learning from all the things you've learned in the past and then Looking at what what is this space that's now emerging that we need to pay attention to? You know?
2: Well, you know, also we we can now create spaces. When we were growing up, I don't know what it was like in Europe. We had three television networks, mm-hmm. and so everyone our campfire was fairly limited. Yeah. Now there's campfires for everything. Yeah. So we feel insecure that we may not know enough about these other people. Mm-hmm. So talking to them becomes interesting. Yes, <laughs> just talking and to I a think 30 the 30 mi- year
1: old. Yeah, like, like the micro segmentation of topics yeah. that you care about becomes very, very specific and very um, um, geographically irrelevant, right? Yeah. It's like, it doesn't matter where people are. It doesn't matter. Uh, it doesn't maybe even matter what time zone they are. Um, maybe it doesn't even matter what language they speak at yeah, some point, yeah. right? Because if the topic is strong enough, it's something you care about enough, then somehow people, those people will find each other and will gather in a way that
2: is relevant to them. Well, you're also seeing uh, the amazing rise of TikTok, yeah. using algorithms to connect. I mean, I have friends that don't care about kids dancing, but they care about dogs, uh, Sharpays, <laughs> and there's like a whole thing of just Sharpays in their, in their algorithm. Yeah. And you, it's amazing how that's kind of the, we have to really learn that that's the way people are thinking now and learning and, and people don't take it as seriously as they should mm-hmm. the power and everybody's trying to copy it and yeah. Um, yeah. and they're all now trying to get into different parts so the TikTok people are getting into the amazon world and it's just it's just amazing i yeah. mean this is what's going to happen now. i think
1: the, uh, the 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 thing that's always fascinated me when whenever we spoke is that you, you have this fascination for collaboration artists, you yes. know, which, which I like that term a lot, because it, it implies that there's an art in collaboration, but also collaborators are in themselves uh, unframed designers, right? So um, if you take the frame away from something, it's really hard to delineate where it begins and where it ends, right? So it's almost like we're, we're, go- we're going into a space where there is no beginning and no end, and somehow we have to start getting comfortable in that space.
2: Yeah, I think that it's a, it's an area where we have to take the, take command of yeah. it. You know, if you see an idea, you get a group of people together and say, "How can we solve that problem?" It's kind of what you're doing with Event Canvas yeah. on a specific piece, but mm-hmm. I think it can, it applies to everything. Yeah, wow. uh, that's what I love about uh, the idea of a of, of a collaboration artist. Yeah. Uh, I think I think
1: a lot of the people we spoke to speak to on this podcast. Uh, I think this might actually be the hundredth episode that we're currently recording. Oh wow! Recording, Congratulations, uh, David. So. I lost count, but we're somewhere in that area right now. Um, but if you listen to any of the podcasts that we've had before, because these are conversations around this book, designed to Change, which right. came out of 500 conversations we've had with people that are applying event design using this methodology, but all ran into, all ran aground at some stage, even ourselves. Um, to have the right types of conversation with those that need the change to be designed for. Mm-hmm. Right? So the event owners, the people that are the business owners, the people that have the care about changing something, at some point need to express that and then they need to have a counterpart, someone else that needs to absorb or, or pick up on that need and as a team kind of explore that 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 thing, that 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 problem, that challenge that that this person is walking around with. And what we found is that those conversations and the structure of them is very critical and it's always very outcome uh, driven, but also needs to latch onto some kind of a Velcro counterpart that allows them to get to grip with how to move this thing forward in a very structured and not just elegant, but also like a predictable way in order to not have it end somewhere else or become a lot of blah, blah. And what I've noticed is that the time that gets spent in that space by a team of people, which we call collaboration, um, needs to also have some form of structure in order to structurally come to a desired outcome that might not be the, the solution to the problem, but it is a direction, the, the directional set of options that you could take at a given point to then go towards the overarching aim. Right. So you don't necessarily look for problem solution fit like an engineering space, but you look at Problem identification, exploration, and the opportunity of seeing ways in which you could 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 direct it, and then create pivotal moments of change in small little petri dishes of change oh, over yeah, time. That, that totally. To bring it to some larger tree structure yeah. in the future or yep. mountain structure.
2: Almost. Well, the great news, the great thing about this is that it's it's an evolving thing that doesn't have to end. The fact that you repeat events mm-hmm. makes it sort of. Where else do you get to repeat things? If you, I'd love to be able to repeat my life. <laughs> you could repeat an event, <laughs> exactly, and you can actually change it and improve it and yeah. evolve it yeah. based on what you've learned in Before. your petri dish, yeah. Yeah, the whole thing.
1: And I think, and I think what we're seeing is that the change between the petri dishes, where events become these markers of change over time, mm-hmm. allow you to see the deltas, right? That the, the changes, like on a day-to-day basis, most people feel like the change is very slow. But now looking back, two years back or a year back or, for, you know, 22 years back and, and it starts with an idea
2: and it ends up with what it is today. And any form of change is always works like that. right? So it's interesting. Um, my philosophy in starting Biz Bash in 2000 was I couldn't really find people to help me do things because mm-hmm. there was no marketplace for it. And so the simple... Uh, process was we wanted to find a place where people can peek over the fence to see what other people were doing Mm -hmm. and to me that's kind of once you see oh I could do that Mm -hmm. it's not that hard options yeah and it and it makes it so that improves and the competition between ideas in your own head even you want to keep doing it better and better and better makes you want to create a better experience to remember it more to enrich your friendship and and create a relationship that's you know more meaningful It's interesting when, when two ideas
1: compete. I think both ideas become better, right? And Absolutely. I think, and I think that's also where collaboration and competition. I always wonder what the relationship between the two is, because a lot in our world is competitive, right? I was just on our way to Mandalay Bay here. You drive past the esports arena, you know, the Luxor yes. structure next door, um, and listening to, you know, what happens, what happens in that world, for instance. You know, it's interesting on, on our podcast, Hilder actually at IMAX uh, Frankfurt. From Iceland was telling us about the merging of, um, you know, they were always after esports and seeing how they could somehow create events in Iceland, but many of the infrastructures are way too small in Iceland to be able to cope with the size and scope of them. But they found that the movie industry is so powerful in Iceland and Esports not wanting to have the big arena setting, but having a landscape in which esports takes place because it's so digital. They yeah. want the organic counterpart. Oh, yeah, it makes total sense. And now so, to the movie industry, the esports competitors, not so much the audience, are placed in that setting to then create a completely new landscape and context to kind of get the people that are into the sports arena in a much wider kind of um, mental perspective. And I think this is where, like, when, we're, when worlds start to blend, when they start to collaborate, and the collaborate, collaboration artists from the movie industry, the destination, the sports and you know, the digital gaming, plus the spectators that are involved in that, that aspire to be like the winners of the competing teams, Never would you see one person be the hero, it's always a team of people yeah. that are heroes. Yeah. And esports is one of the spaces that has extreme collaboration artists in action yeah. that we might not even think you of. We wouldn't in think that, of that no, in absolutely. that way. Right? There's always a team of five, for yeah. instance, or seven, or yeah. it's always a team effort. And what's interesting is that most of them most of them have um have this anonymous profile where the, I, the identification
2: of the ego is taken away from the well, team spirit. Right? That is so interesting too, because when you think about strong men mm-hmm. uh, on one side, they want their ego, to, they want to be the strongest, they want to people know who they are, they're, they're the, you know, not know, to get political, but the Trump types, let's say. Yeah. Um, and, and then the people that collaborate are okay letting their ideas blend in with everyone else and let the group, own the idea which is a whole different and wouldn't you rather have that on your tombstone rather than i'm you know this awful person that just controls everything Mm that i'm a great collaborator so it's a it's a it's a um smart power it's an attribute so do you think smart power is dissociated from ego yeah oh yeah oh yeah when you're using smart power you're doing things like in the trade show business the hallways are the use of smart power Mm -hmm. Uh, dining at a great restaurant with a great friend and, and having a dish that's so well-crafted that the people that are sitting at the table are like agreeing with this. No matter even if they have different points of view yeah. on other things, yeah. Yeah. they're experiencing something. So I think that, that it is, I think it's sort of a high level of what uh, a great person should be about when they collaborate. I mean, and, and when they design things together. Yeah. Because you feel like you're co-creating, yeah. which is kind of a... Big work. <laughs> Absolutely. So so no no single
1: piece of music was ever made by one man, yeah. although you know we do some composers that have their name on, yeah. on some of these things. Yeah. Um, and I and I really like this concept of um, more collectively creating things, owning things, sharing things. Um, communities need to be managed or structured in some way or other, right? We even see that with you know crypto communities or places mm-hmm. that have become very digital with very trackable ledgers. I think there's some
2: very exciting stuff that's about to happen. There's also a lot of uh, neuroscience and psychology around how the different parts of the brain, the social parts of the brain, are okay talking in in general forms, but all of a sudden you give people a task. Your brain completely shifts to a different mode, and you're able to concentrate on that, So to be task-driven. So the idea of we need these kind of collaborative tasks to be good human, to to really be human.
1: Which makes me think that collaborative tasks or projects or problems and their exploration also require language and a mental model to be able to to focus yeah. uh, how that time is spent between people right. to not keep going off on tangents. You've right. got to really like, segment it into smaller chunks of thinking yep. to create a sense
2: of progress over a over an extended period of time to come out with prototypes or whatever comes out the other end. Right? I think we're just in the beginning of the idea of different canvases for different ways of doing things yes. and that we need structure around it because without it we're just flying blind and uh, you know, who would have thought we would need all these um, programs that tell us how to do things that we thought we could just do them on you know your, your iPhone and you could figure out how to do anything yep. and for years we've been just winging it Yeah, and now you know, if the purpose of technology is to make what was complex simple, yeah. that's what the world what's happening in the world now with all these little tiny pieces of it. Exactly. So it feels like a fragmentation of all the
1: tasks we have as humans. It also means that we can um, uh, one of the things we like to do is to think about strategic quitting. You know, what are the things that you find play for yourself and which are the things that you don't find work? What things do you need to strategically quit to start making space to focus on things very specifically? And I think what I've learned from you know, seeing the work that you've done, but also in our conversations, is that by thinking about the next thing, um, not so much as a need to go away from the past thing, because the past thing remains and keeps growing and yeah. keeps doing, but you need to look at the next horizon of change or horizons of change mm-hmm. to actually have this
2: full cap around the whole thing. And, and that happens by talking to people, yeah. having conversations like this. Exactly. Because everything we're talking about I've already got a gazillion ideas just from our conversations <laughs> that we'd want to probably do together. You know, let's yeah. do, do a play, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that that more people have to have legitimate conversations, yeah. like the name of this podcast, this, yeah. the concept I think yeah. is totally on target with, yeah. you know, a- actually having people sit down in a program conversation is a brilliant idea when you yeah. think about it. Yeah. Most people don't have conversations. Yes. And formalizing
1: yeah. <laughs> formalizing the moment of conversation. Like you said, in your COVID period, you had a morning meeting, whether yeah. it's a ritual or breakfast. Here we're at a trade show booth. It's a three day thing with preparations before and after. There's sessions going on, but we create little half hour bubbles of conversation mm-hmm. where we're in a much bigger audio bubble, but very focused with you know, almost right. like a studio setting. Right. And you can hear the noise in the background of yeah. sessions going on yep. uh, here in the innovation hub. But our conversation between us having breakfast around the same table to now putting on a headset and a microphone in front of us focuses it plus the legitimacy of a recording with a little intro jingle and an extra jingle knowing that it will perpetuate on a podcast on Spotify or SoundCloud or somewhere else for a longer time allows you to listen back to what you
2: were thinking at that moment I, uh, when I graduated college, I started a magazine, Society Magazine for Washington, mm-hmm. and I um, digitized the entire thing recently, mm-hmm. and it's fascinating going back. I mean, one of the things I think people should do is not only think about the future, yeah. but, but meditate on the past yes. and what you've done and, what, you, and what, what worked and what you wanted to do as a kid.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, look, look back at the past horizon, see what what pivotal moments happened, mm-hmm. which is fairly easy, right? If you if you map out life or experience, yep. looking back, it's it's easier. Yep. But it also gives you kind of your cadence, your frequency of change, and this is where I like this podcast, finding frequency, because I think in COVID times, we lost our our cadence, we lost our frequency. We needed to retune our radios. We needed to mm-hmm. re let's say, what wavelength are we operating at with other people and that synchronicity in finding the wavelength was not so time dependent or space dependent or geographically dependent it was more like brainwave dependent
2: yeah absolutely and no, totally. and,
1: and finding people with similar brave wave uh, wavelength you know of, of of thinking
2: and and frequency of thinking and capturing those moments is very powerful and then and then the great resignation was happening because they're having these kinds of thinking I don't want to do that job again yep. that was a waste of time yep. you know people are really I mean luckily I do what I love so I never it doesn't feel it like waste work. of time I don't <laughs> feel like work at all uh, so I, I, I love it but um, not everyone has that luxury yeah and um, so it's uh, it's good but I think you can bring this to anything I mean this whole idea of the You can canvas your life, probably, right? Well, yeah, definitely you can. On that note, um, (laughs) one of the things we
1: always ask people in this podcast, David, is, um, you know, because the book is called Designed to Change, Elevating Your Ability to Look and Act Beyond the Now, right? Mm -hmm. So by elevating the ability to look and act beyond the now, um, you also have to make those markers of change more consciously. So one thing I'd like to ask as a result of this conversation is, uh, what's currently on your horizon of change for this upcoming year? Um, maybe we could well, talk about that just a little bit. I'm writing a book.
2: All right. I've been uh, obsessed with writing a book, talking to collaboration artists all around the world, yeah. including you. Yeah. And uh, it's been fascinating, and I've changed my mind a million times on how I want to title it and covers and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's been really interesting. And then um, from a change point of view... I've been an entrepreneur all my life, and now I have the time to go back and do things that I've never done. Okay. Like read classic novels, yeah. and because I think that my biggest event training was reading older books and seeing how that was done when people collaborated and connected in times gone by. Yeah. And I learn more from that, I think, than anything else. And so I want to do more of that and uh, more conscious thinking about that. So. I love that. Yeah. The ability to now take this concept, and I'm going
1: to ask you for the favor of uh, setting a marker a year out, right? What I'd like to do is to invite you back next year in this podcast, and we'll look back at this horizon oh, okay. of change okay. to see, has the book been published? Yes. What step are we taking, let's say, beyond what's in the book itself? Yes. Um, and I think what I'd really like to do is invite you a year from today, to uh, be on the Design to Change podcast again. We might be here at Amix yeah. America or somewhere else on the planet. Who knows? Yeah. Um, and look back at this past year. Do you accept that invitation? Absolutely. Awesome. It doesn't mean we're not going to talk in between, no, no, no. but uh, that um, will be the next marker change within the Design to Change I'm podcast. I'm going
2: to also bring a couple of clips of my podcast I did the day of um, the pandemic. Yeah. Because I'm going to see how, which is what we thought. It was really yeah. interesting. So yeah.
1: All right. So what I'd like to do is make sure that we put that in the agenda. Done. And, We're going to add some of the liner notes of the thoughts that you had. And I'd like to ask you for one book title of a book that you think everybody has to read when it comes to looking at the past of events. And then uh, we're going to add that to the liner notes as well as any of the things that are relevant and people to connect to you on LinkedIn or maybe other profiles if they want to know more about the project you're working on for your book. I, for one, am looking forward to it. I just saw... A little excerpt of the chapter that you spoke about and that we had actually as a result of a podcast Mm -hmm. or a recording that we've done done before so
2: what my name now sorry what my name of the book now do you have it already madame bovary
1: madame bovary is is the book that's gonna land in this uh, in the bottom of the podcast yeah
2: well that's the book that um that i learned a lot about events
1: all right but i'll but I'll i'll have another one Excellent, excellent. Okay, great. So uh, reach out to David if you want to know more about this new book that he's writing, uh, this Madame de Bovary, but also... Oh, no, no,
2: that that's the book I'm reading. Uh, yes, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yes, yes. I'm about right.
1: The new book title has it, not yet been well, defined. Well,
2: tentatively it's called, and we'll see whether... I'd like to say it right now, so that we'll see if it makes it. Right now, it's uh, something to the effect of Harnessing Serendipity. Yeah. Collaboration artists, connectors, and conveners. Excellent. Harnessing serendipities, connecting... Uh, Collaboration artists, artists, connectors, and conveners. Connectors and conveners. And that may change. but uh, That's the working title right now.
1: Well, I I can't wait to see the the rough uh, prototypes that are coming out, the final drafts. We're going to collaborate on that. Thank you, David, for joining us today. My pleasure. And uh, we'll speak soon. Soon.
0: Great. This has been another episode of the Design to Change Designer Conversation Series. Explore these conversations and additional content at designtochange.online. Want more right now? Tune into the backstage episode of this conversation and hear what the experts discuss offstage.